0: What's happening here is – and this is not novel or unique to the electric vehicle industry. When a new technological paradigm emerges, everybody and their best friend wants to do something with that technological paradigm because everyone sees the opportunity to strike it rich. They all want to become fabulously wealthy. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. So – every joe sam and larry go out and start a business around that new technological paradigm and it's this surge of new startups around said paradigm but capitalism 101 the market's not going to be big enough to sustain all of those startups they all want to be the next titan there's only going to be one two or three titans that's how industries develop so what you get is new technological paradigm emerges you get a huge number of startups in that technological paradigm as the industry matures and grows and becomes actually meaningful to the global economy then that industry consolidates around three four or five very powerful players while the other hundreds that were there in the beginning either go bankrupt or get acquired
1: What's up, HGI investors, and welcome back to Hypergrowth Investing. I'm Aaron Davis, and as always, pleased to be joined by investment analyst, Luke Lango. Luke, what's up? How are we doing today? I'm doing good, Aaron. I am
0: doing good. July was the best month for stocks since 2020. August is off to a stalled start, but growth stocks are soaring still, so I feel the bear market to bull market transition underway,
1: and I'm pretty excited about the next 12 months. Well, I'm looking forward to getting into all that in just a few moments. If this is your first time joining us, Hypergrowth Investing is the weekly podcast that picks the brain of investment analyst Luke Lango. Each week, we take an in-depth look at emerging tech and investment innovations, electric vehicles, cryptocurrencies, the metaverse and more. Nothing is off limits. If you're joining us for the first time, we go up every Wednesday on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you choose to listen to your favorite podcast. So make sure to hit like and subscribe to get Hypergrowth investing as soon as it goes up. Again, I'm Aaron Davis, educator, lifelong learner, and your proxy into the mind. That is the Luke Lango. Ton of things to cover. So let's dive right in. First, I want to talk about a term that you've been floating recently, the great consolidation. Uh, electric trucking company, Nikola just agreed to acquire electric battery company Romeo Power for $144 million on Monday. Now, you've got on the record before saying that the EV industry is too crowded and that we're due for this, quote-unquote, great consolidation. Uh, You've even said that this has happened before, back when gas cars first came out. Can you explain a little more on this front?
0: Yeah, so I think we're about to enter the great consolidation phase of uh, electric vehicles. So let's call it the great EV consolidation. That's what we call it. Um, What's happening here is, and this is not novel or unique to the electric vehicle industry, when a new technological paradigm emerges – Everybody and their best friend wants to do something with that technological paradigm because everyone sees the opportunity to strike it rich. They all want to become fabulously wealthy. It's the opportunity of a lifetime. So every Joe, Sam, and Larry go out and start a business around that new technological paradigm. And it's this surge of new startups around said paradigm. But – capitalism 101 the market's not going to be big enough to sustain all of those startups they all want to be the next titan there's only going to be one two or three titans that's how industries develop so what you get is new technological paradigm emerges. You get a huge number of startups in that technological paradigm as the industry matures and grows and becomes actually meaningful to the global economy. Then that industry consolidates around three, four or five very powerful players while the other hundreds that were there in the beginning, either go bankrupt or get acquired. This consolidation happens everywhere. It happened with computers. It happened with smartphones. It happened with cloud infrastructure. I mean, think about cloud infrastructure, right? We only have three companies, really. Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud, and Microsoft Azure. That's not because only three companies tried to become cloud infrastructure giants. It's just because the industry consolidated around those three titans. So, yes, the same happened with the gas-powered car at the turn of the century, go back to the early 1900s, something like 485 or 490 companies came uh, or emerged when the gas-powered car first came out. And all these companies were going to make the next big gas-powered car that was going to change the world. Of course, not all of them did. In fact, only very few of them did. Fast forward 30 years, by 1930, 1935, of that, about 500 uh, companies that emerged in the early 1900s only 50 were still around. So one in 10 made it. But even more than that, more severe, more drastic than that, of those 50, three of them controlled 80% of the market and only three of them are still around today. So you started with 500, you ended with three. That is how industries um, grow. That's how they mature. That's how they evolve. It's a natural evolution. Electric vehicles are the same thing. I don't know how many EV startups are out there, but as somebody who analyzes every single EV stock in the market, I can tell you there are hundreds. There are so many EV startups in the world today, whether they're EV makers, whether they're battery companies, whether they're trying to become miners or they're becoming uh, battery manufacturers all across the supply chain, powertrain developers all across the supply chain. There are dozens upon dozens upon dozens of EV companies creating an EV industry that is far too crowded. The EV industry is now growing. It's now gaining weight. It's now maturing. June 2022 numbers just came out, global EV sale numbers. I think it was 16% of all global e- global auto sales in June 2022 were electric vehicles that's a record high share. So now this market is starting to become meaningful to the global economy. As it does, we're starting to see, as one would expect, natural consolidation. And I think that consolidation is just now starting. Nikola bought out Romeo Power. That seems meaningless. Nikola is pretty much kind of a forgotten electric tr- trucking company. Romeo is a fallen angel in the battery world. It's a $144 million price tag. That's a rounding error for somebody like Tesla. But You got to think, what does that mean for the bigger industry? You're getting consolidation down here. That means you're going to get consolidation up here as well. I think over the next 12 to 24, 36 months, the EV industry is going to be defined by two things. One, rapid growth and two, rapid consolidation. The rapid consolidation is going to mean, in and of itself, two things. One, a lot of companies are going to go bankrupt. Electric Last Mile, we talked about them recently, Electric Trucking Company. As a result of the consolidation, they went bankrupt. But then there's Romeo Power. That's an acquisition. As opposed to going bankrupt, they got acquired. So I think you're going to get these big EV companies that are going to emerge, the Rivians, the Lucids. Obviously, Tesla's already emerged. Mm -hmm. I think Fisker is going to be a big success story. I think those companies are going to emerge as titans, and they're going to start acquiring – A bunch of small EV startups, battery makers, powertrain developers, miners, things like that. So, when you look at the smaller EV stocks, you're going to get this bifurcation of the market wherein some of them are going to be acquired for massive premiums. Romeo Power got so beaten up that it got acquired at a 30% premium stock, jumped 30% in a day, it jumped 40% in five days. So, you can make a lot of money in a short amount of time by buying a high quality small EV stock. On the other hand, for every Romeo Power, there's gonna be an electric last mile, which goes to zero. So you gotta look at that small cap EV world and you gotta find the stocks that look like they could be really attractive acquisition targets and are not bankruptcy, um, uh, not likely to go bankrupt. So that's how we're looking at the EV market right now. To play it, we think it's oh. due for rapid growth. One, buy the future Titans. Two, find high quality opportunities in the small cap EV world that are either going to get that are going to get acquired and not going to go bankrupt. Um, so that's what we talk about. The great EV consolidation. We think that is just starting. We're in the first inning and you're going to see massive
1: consolidation over the next one, two, three years. So what should we be looking for in those small cap stocks prime for acquisition? Yeah, so You want to see. I mean, when you, when you look at companies like that, I really think the most important thing is going to be talent.
0: Mm-hmm. Talent talent, and technology that when you're a big EV company, why are you going to go acquire a small company? One, they either have a lot of talent that you could use or two, they have some secret technology that could benefit your company. That could either supercharge your batteries or allow you to make better cars or give you access to some – Secret lithium supply, whatever it may be. So you got to look for small cap EV stocks that have an edge over their competitors. And I think the biggest edges to be gained these days, the ones that are most attractive to potential suitors are talents and technology. You know, Romeo Power mm-hmm. has some pretty cool technology. They had some pretty good talent. The company was mismanaged. There was an exodus of the, the C-suite shakeup. It w- wasn't a great company to start with, but it did have talent and technology. So it got bought out. Of course, people that bought at the SPAC price of ten dollars didn't make any. You know, didn't make any profits because it got bought out below a buck, basically. But if you were dip buying at 50 cents, 60 cents, you made a a very nice profit on that. So there are definitely opportunities today to start getting into these EV stocks that are really beaten up. See, that's another component of this thesis, right, is the stocks have been crushed. So now Mm -hmm. these giants, the Teslas, the Rivians, the Lucids of the world can make these acquisitions at very attractive prices, you know, like Romeo Power was a $10 stock. A year and a half ago nicola just bought it out for less than a buck mm-hmm. that's pretty that's a pretty attractive setup if, you, if, if you're nicola so if you're rivian and you're mm-hmm. lucid you're looking right now you're looking at all these small ev stocks they were 10 12 13 14 bucks now they're one two three four five dollars you're looking to buy those out you're looking to acquire those i we talked about mm-hmm. it on this podcast recently canoe and walmart Walmart just did that Mm -hmm. huge investment in Canoe. They're also, you know, they're going to buy 20% of the company potentially. I think we talked about how that might set up for a Walmart acquisition of Canoe. That's EV Mm -hmm. consolidation. So I think you're going to see a lot of those things play out over the next, again, one, two, three years. There's going to be a lot of money made for investors who smartly buy small, beaten up, washed out EV stocks that now look like very attractive acquisition targets. For the big boys, as the big boys start to really accelerate in their growth trajectories. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. I'm looking for talent, I'm looking for technology, I'm looking for an edge in the small cap EV world. And when I find that, I get excited.
1: So how much of the consolidation is to, to eliminate competition or is it to actually acquire these technologies and infrastructure from these smaller companies or is it both?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not – it's. I think what's going what's gonna to happen is you're, these companies are going to try to build vertical empires. So they're going to build vertically integrated okay. empires. And what I mean is that throughout the supply chain, they want to control all parts of it. And I think it's going gotcha. to be the EV makers because the EV makers are the ones that are the most hyped up right now. Think about the biggest electric vehicle companies in the world. You're not thinking of miners. You're not thinking of battery makers. You're not thinking of battery mm-hmm. – and you're not thinking of those people. You're thinking of Lucid. You're thinking of Tesla. You're yep. thinking of Rivian. You're thinking of the – 20, 30, 40, $50 billion companies in Tesla's case, multi-hundred billion dollar companies um, that are actually making the electric vehicles, but making the electric vehicle is only one part of the supply chain. And so what I think you're going to see is you're going to see those companies start to acquire uh, smaller companies that are lower on the supply chain or earlier on the supply chain, rather Mm -hmm. not lower, but earlier on the supply chain. That was Nikola buying uh, Romeo, very small scale, but that is an electric Mm -hmm. vehicle maker buying an electric battery Mm -hmm. company an electric vehicle battery company. I think yeah. you're going to see that. I think Rivian can make a play for an EV battery company. I think Lucy can make a play for an EV battery company. Tesla's already making plays to acquire lithium supply in various different areas. So you're going to see the top of the food chain top of the supply chain, start to eat up the rest of the supply chain. So I'm looking for mm-hmm. the best companies on the lower parts of that supply chain or earlier parts of that supply chain because I think they're going to get gobbled up by the big boys who are sitting on tons of cash, by the way, right? I mean, Rivian's got so much cash in the balance sheet. Lucid has so much cash in the balance sheet, and they're backed by Saudi Arabia. Um, and hey, Rivian's backed by Amazon. Tesla's got so much cash in the balance sheet. So mm. these companies are loaded. You know, they got deep pockets. And I think they're gonna start gobbling up. And um, that's why I'm really excited about small cap EV stocks right now. So long as you're in the right one, right? I mean, like I said, bifurcation. A lot of these stocks are gonna to go to zero. They're worthless, they're gonna go bankrupt. Can't hold those. Gotta find the ones mm-hmm. that have an opportunity to get bought out at 50, 60, 70, 80% premiums and skyrocket like that overnight. That those are attractive value props today. I'm looking for those stocks.
1: Hmm. Well, speaking of EV companies, uh, Tesla reported pretty strong numbers uh, in their earnings two weeks ago mm-hmm. over the past two weeks, and they've been pretty good. Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Google, the market seems to like right. what they're seeing. Um, but companies, based on what I'm seeing, are actually missing their estimates. Mm-hmm. So why are these stocks rallying right now?
0: Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great point, Aaron. You know, We're seeing a lot of miss and rallies. Miss, rally, miss, rally, miss, rally, Netflix, Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, um, most recently Pinterest, um, you're seeing missing rallies. That's a sign of a bottom. That's a sign of capitulation. When bad news, bad fundamental news turns into good price action, bad news to good news, Mm -hmm. that kind of says the bad news is already priced in markets are discounting mechanisms. We're constantly trying to figure out what has been discounted, what has been priced in, when can we turn around? That question gets a really solid answer when you see Pinterest come out and miss on EPS, user growth's flat, just not a great report Mm -hmm. at all, really. Revenues, I mean, they barely beat, barely, barely, barely. The guide wasn't great. It was a pretty crappy quarter, honestly stock popped Mm -hmm. as much as 21% in after hours action. Um, So Mm -hmm. bad news turns into enormously positive price action. That tells you we're pretty washed out. That tells you that stocks had collapsed in the first half of 2022 on the idea that earnings are going to collapse in Q2 and continue to collapse Mm -hmm. in Q3. When instead, what we're seeing is Earnings are coming down in Q2, not coming down the actual from where they were. They're still growing year over year. But earnings are not Mm -hmm. as good as what we expected at the beginning of the year, but they're also not falling out. And in Q3, managements are saying, you know what? Things are tough. It's rough. Uh, Bad macro Mm -hmm. environment. But we're okay. Like we're still growing. You're still Mm going to put up some profits. Like it's still still good. And stocks weren't priced for that. Stocks were priced going into this earnings season for disaster, recession, end of world mm-hmm. times. And that's that's not what we have. So we're at a point where bad news is turning into good price action. Normally, that's indicative of a bottom. I think that that coupled with all the other evidence that I'm looking at suggests that the July rally we had in equities is not a head fake. Um, I don't think it continues in a linear fashion. Mm-hmm. Two steps forward, one step back. Those are the healthiest rallies. Step back. But – I think that this was two steps forward that results in one step back and then two steps forward, not two steps forward that then all of a sudden results in three steps back. Right. I think now mm. we're doing this. We're zigzagging higher. And I think we're starting that zigzag higher. So I think July bounce back is, is legit. I think it's for real.
1: Does this also speak to what we talked about last week uh, when we addressed earning, the earnings report? That you were looking for these companies to just have a positive outlook moving forward, despite the fact that we kind of expected that these Q two numbers weren't going to be so hot.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. That the commentary, you know, one thing we talked about is what we need to see is commentary from execs saying, "Okay, summer was was crappy. Um, not not a good time. Mm-hmm. But going into the second half <laughs> of the year." We think things can get better. You know we we're seeing our business mm-hmm. be resilient. We're seeing trends here or there improve. And we're seeing that. And pockets of strength we're really seeing right now are in cloud and clean tech. We're really excited mm-hmm. what we're seeing in those two areas. Cloud strength has been very robust this quarter. Microsoft Azure grew very rapidly, almost no slowdown quarter over quarter. Google Cloud, also mm-hmm. grew very rapidly with very little slowdown quarter over quarter. Amazon Web Services also grew very rapidly with very little slowdown quarter over quarter. Those management teams also mm-hmm. all said, okay, yeah, our cloud business still on fire, gonna keep booming in Q3. So, cloud is a sector we're really excited about. Clean tech, we're seeing a lot of solar mm-hmm. companies report. Fabulous numbers, record installs, record deliveries, record volumes, record revenues, record margins. Things are looking great in Solarville right now. And Mm -hmm. Manchin, Senator Joe Manchin just came to the table and is willing to agree to what is essentially going to be a package that sends 400 almost – 400 billion dollars into the energy sector. Not all that's going to Mm -hmm. clean tech. Some of it's going to oil and gas, but it's 400 Mm -hmm. billion dollars going into the energy sector. So that makes us bullish on energy names, makes us bullish on clean tech. You already have record business momentum in clean tech right now. They're going to add 400 billion dollars into the pipeline. We're seeing inflation simmer down. We're seeing supply chains improve. So those installers are now going to get uh, cheaper and more abundant solar PV come into their pipelines. So I think that The solar industry, hydrogen industry, energy storage industry, clean tech in general, I think those stocks are really positioned for some massive gains over the next 12 months. So cloud and based on this this earnings season, what we've just seen, everything we're going through, Mm -hmm. I think cloud and solar look really strong. Now, for bounce back candidates, Mm -hmm. I like e-commerce and I like digital advertising. I'm not bullish on them right now. I think the earnings there, they have been terrible. They're going to continue to be terrible. But there are some catalysts on the horizon that I think could get those stocks to rebound nicely. So that's where our attention is right now. That's where we see opportunity. And we're pretty excited about, about the stocks and the upside potential in those industries right now.
1: I was also going to ask about the the rallies with some of the companies that we were just talking about. How much does the infrastructure bill and the CHIPS Act play a role in what we're seeing in the market right now?
0: Um, it
1: helps. It's
0: not the okay. thesis, but it helps. Um, Mm -hmm. I think with clean tech, clean tech was, was one of our favorite industries before that bill, that bill just makes, you know, kind of the nail in the coffin. Like, this is going to be great, you know, Mm -hmm. um, gotcha. And then when you look at the chips act, you know, that's where I'm a, I'm a little bit less bullish on semi stocks because we are in a, in my opinion, we are in a recession. Mm -hmm. We're in a technical recession. I think things are going to get worse. I think the labor market's about to fall out. Um, and I think this things go mm-hmm. down much more dramatically in the second half of the year than what a lot of people expect. Semiconductors are notoriously cyclical. They cycle with the economy. Boom, bust, boom. Mm-hmm. If economy busts. Semis are going to bust. And so the CHIPS Act is helpful, but I'm not really all that sold on semis right now. Look at Intel's numbers. Talk about the mm-hmm. most recent batch of earnings. Intel's yeah. numbers were awful. Revenues dropped 70% year over year, margins are in retreat. The guide was terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, Intel is a bellwether for the semi semiconductor industry. It's the biggest company. So, if they're saying that, you know, yeah. that's that, that's a red flag for the whole the whole semi industry. Not very bullish on semi stocks, I would sell them on strength over the next few months.
1: Gotcha uh well, moving on, we're talking a lot about you know market pricing things in before they happen uh so that when the, when those things happen, the stocks react in an unconventional way. uh buy the rumor, sell the news. That's the Wall Street term. It seems like that could be happening with the broader market. I mean everyone's talking about a recession right now, you know you we've kind of been dancing around it but we kind of believe that we're kind of already in that recession yet stocks just had their best month in july since 2020 uh you know what's going on here yeah yeah that's um that's an excellent point um
0: There's this famous indicator out there called the recession buy indicator. Um, It's not very well-known, but it's well-known in Wall Street circles. And it's very Mm -hmm. rudimentary. And all it says is buy stocks seven months after a recession starts. Because recessions normally last 14 months. Seven months is the halfway Mm -hmm. point. When you're halfway into a recession, it becomes pretty well-known that you're in a recession. Like for the first – two, three, four, five months, a lot of people are like, are we in a recession? Some people might not even notice. Some people might not know what's going on. There's denial maybe. But by month seven, typically halfway through, everyone's like, okay, we're in a recession. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. it reasons then based on what you just said, markets price things in before they happen. Stocks drop before the recession becomes a big deal. And they rebound before the recovery becomes a big deal. Right, So mm-hmm. the recession buy indicator says, OK, buy stocks seven months after recession starts on the idea that once everybody's talking about a recession is when the recovery in markets begins because markets are now no longer thinking about a recession. and looking forward to the recovery. So that's what that indicator says. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, as rudimentary and simple as it is, it has a very strong track record of being right. If indeed you went back to the 1900s, early 1900s and just bought stocks. Seven months after they fell into their economy fell into a recession, based on what Enver called the recession, um, Mm -hmm. then you would have made incredible money over time. Incredible money, beat the market by massive amounts. So that speaks to what you're talking about, the market pricing things in before they happen. The recession buy indicator Mm -hmm. is relevant today because hey, it's July. We printed two quarters. No, yeah. sorry, it's August. We printed two quarters. Oh, August. That we printed sense. two quarters of negative GDP. That means the recession started mm-hmm. in that first quarter of negative GDP, January 2022. Mm-hmm. Add seven yep. months. Yep. That's July. When did the rebound in equity start? Mid June into July. July was best month best mm-hmm. month since 2020. So this history repeating. You know, maybe, maybe the recession <laughs> by indicator is working again. So yeah. Yeah. I think that that speaks exactly to what you're talking about. Just over the past six weeks is when everybody was like mm-hmm. recession, 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 yeah. Yeah. recession, recession. Like that's when everybody said so it became the the R word was used everywhere. Actually, you know what? Let's do this real quick. <laughs> let's we're, we're going to do some real time, real time searching. We are going to look up the Google right. Trends search interest in recession. Let's do it. Let's let's hope this proves our point, Aaron. Let's hope. (laughs) Yeah, boom. Look at that. I don't know if you can see. can't see that. I'll screen share. Perfect. I will screen share with you. Sorry. I thought this new little camera setup was able to see my screen, but not really. Not really. All right. We're trying to screen share here. It's coming in, but it's coming in slowly because as I found out recently, folks, I have terrible internet connection. (laughs) Apparently, I never knew it and I have terrible, I'm paying a lot of money from internet too. So somebody is, is not serving me right. Anyways, can we see this chart? Mm. Yes. Very simple, right? This this is just the <laughs> Google Trends chart of the word recession. How many people are searching recession in the United States today and over time. Look at that. Yep. We're, sp- we're, we're, we're spiking. I mean, this is this is March, this is June. You know, this is when the market bottomed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody started talking about recession. Every, nobody was talking about it here in late November, which mm. is when you should have been talking about it. That's when stocks peaked out. No, you know, very few people can, nobody talk, nobody talking. was like, a little bit of chatter, a little bit of chatter, a little bit of chatter, a little bit of chatter. All of a sudden, boom, boom. Yeah. Massive chatter. That's the bottom. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom. When everybody starts being convinced that it's the end times, that's the bottom. That's capitulation. That's when the you know the towel gets thrown in. That's when you come in, pick up the towel, and say, "Yeah, it's not the end." And now the recovery starts. That is where we are today, and that's why we're very confident on the trajectory for stocks over the next twelve months, Aaron. We think that it is upwards and to the right. Now, I do want to. Mm -hmm. I'm not coming out here and throwing caution to the wind. This is again. Two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. I think August is going to be a step back. I think we're going to take Mm -hmm. a step back in August. I think we could see a pretty big pullback, but then we're going to take two steps forward. And then we're going to take a step back. Then we're going to take two steps forward. Net, net in 12 months, we're going to be up, the whole market probably is going to be up 20 to 30% from current levels. I think it's a big rally. I think certain growth stocks go up 50, 60, 70, 80, 100% or more over the next 12 months. Not going to be linear. Boom, zigzag, mm-hmm. two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. Brace for it. Net-net, you're going to make a lot of money in the next 12 months in stocks. I think that's where we are today. Um,
1: so yeah, Aaron, you you could color me bullish right now <laughs> if, if if you so wanted. Uh, I, I do color you bullish, uh, and you sound pretty optimistic about the next 6 to 12 months. Um, but are there any risks that could derail the rally? Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean the biggest risk right
0: now – is that inflation just stays stubbornly high? Mm-hmm. Because this, this market pivot, yes, you know, a recession, everyone's talking about it, a lot, a lot of you do. But like really fundamentally what's driving it is this shift in market expectations about inflation. The Fed has gotten serious about rate hikes. They've now done jumbo rate hikes, 75 bips. They went, they went 25, 50, 75, 75. This represents the most accelerated path of monetary policy tightening since the early 1980s. Um, So the Fed's gotten serious about fighting inflation. Uh, In response, the economy has slowed. Um, Economic demand has waned. The combination of those two factors are leading market expectations to shift towards this idea that inflation is now going to dramatically decelerate over the next 6 to 12 months. Mm. As a result, Treasury yields have collapsed. The 10-year was at 3.5. Now it's pushing 2.5. We've collapsed hundred bips on that. Most people now think that can drop to two percent. We agree. We think ten year is is gonna collapse. So that is really what's been propelling this rally, this market shift in expectations from we're stuck with stubbornly high inflation and yields are gonna keep going higher to The Fed is doing its job, and they're going to kill inflation. Yes, it's going to cause a slowdown, but more importantly, they're going to kill inflation. So they're not going to have to hike rates that much into 2023. In fact, Mm -hmm. market expectations now are pricing in rate cuts in 2023. And therefore, yields can go lower, which is providing a basis for stocks to go higher. That's what this rally has been all about. It's that pivot in expectations. If we have to re-pivot back because inflation doesn't come down, that's a problem. That's a Mm -hmm. major risk. All of a sudden, this rally unwinds. All of a sudden, we could go a lot lower because in that outcome, we have stagflation. That's where we're going to have stubbornly high inflation, but demand is is, is going to drop out. So mm-hmm. stagflation is a possibility. That's the biggest risk. I think it's tiny. I think it's less than 5% chance we have stagflation. But in the 5% chance we do have stagflation, everything in the market gets crushed. Mm-hmm. Everything. Bonds, stocks, our beloved growth stocks Everything, cryptos, mm-hmm. everything gets crashed, gets crushed in a stagflation environment. Unlikely, but possible. That's the big risk.
1: Hmm. Uh, well, another risk that I think nobody foresaw two years ago was the uh, rise of COVID nineteen. Um, unfortunately, there seems to be another uh, potential health risk coming in the coming right now: monkeypox uh, and. You've talked about it before that it's somewhat underrated right now. Um, Do you really think that we could be due for another COVID-19? And is early 2020 coming back for us in late 2022? And if so, what are the implications of that?
0: Yeah, uh, no. The answer is no. I do not think that an early 2020 is going on. But I do believe, talked about it on this podcast before, I do believe Monkeypox, is one of the most underrated risks in the market today. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a stigma against the disease. We don't, I, I don't really want to get into all that. The fact of the matter is monkeypox is this weird disease uh-huh. that can cause severe complications. Uh-huh. But I think more importantly for investment implications is looks severely – Uncomfortable. You mm-hmm. get these boils and rash all over your skin. you, you can't be around people. It's highly contagious mm-hmm. if you start scratching and touching things. Um, it looks very, very uncomfortable. A lot of people have to take medication just to ease the itching, ease the pain. For severe mm-hmm. cases, what I've read—I'm no doctor. For what I've read, I'm, I'm no what I've read it, the the rashes can cause. Permanent discoloration of the pigmentation in your skin, um, mm-hmm. or scarring like a really bad acne or a really bad uh, bug bite or something or, or like a, like a cut. Um, mm-hmm. So humans are, are naturally vain people, and they don't want pustules all over their. Skin. It's one thing to get COVID and you know have a cough and feel like yeah yeah you, know, mm-hmm. you, you got a flu or a cold or um, especially nowadays when we have a lot of medicines to help that. Uh, it's another thing to get a full body rash that could cause permanent face uh not fate but face and just whole body discoloration so Mm -hmm. i think that just the nature of the of the disease feels more severe i don't i don't think the stats bear out that it is more severe than COVID. i i don't i don't really know i haven't looked into that closely but the nature of the disease and you know appearance matters whether we like it or not Mm -hmm. a lot of people judge books by their cover the nature of the disease, I think, creates a lot of fear in society mm-hmm. about getting it. People don't want to get it. And regardless of who's getting it or where it's spreading, it is spreading into communities that are not what a lot of people think it should be spreading into. But but it is spreading and kids are getting it. There are some children mm-hmm. that are getting it. Uh, I know pregnant women have got it. Um, and that's especially worrisome for a pregnant woman because the pregnant woman can pass it through the fetus. Um, mm-hmm. And it can affect the child, uh, It mm-hmm. can kill the child if, if, if the unborn child if, um, uh, if you're in your first or second trimester, and you can't just deliver the baby, um, I believe the, the one case that got it in, in America, uh, the woman was in her third trimester, so they just delivered the baby and the baby was fine. Thank God for that. But, mm-hmm. you know, it creates severe complications for women that are earlier in their pregnancies, it creates severe complications for kids under the age of eight. Um, because they tend to touch their face all the time, and apparently, mm-hmm. if you touch your face with this stuff, uh, you can actually develop blindness. So mm-hmm. there, there are there's some weird stuff about it. Sure. And I'm no doctor, and I did the numbers on it. It is not spreading as quickly as COVID at all. Mm-hmm. I, I I graph like the first. 90 days of infection with COVID in America and the first mm-hmm. 90 days of infection with monkeypox, which is basically where we are today. And you put the two, two lines together and you can't even see the uptick in, in monkeypox cases. So it, mm-hmm. it, it is spreading at one, one hundredth of the rate of, of COVID. But mm-hmm. I think it creates fear. I think it creates hesitancy. Uh, I'm plugged into social media. I scroll on the feeds I see people talking about it. I see people freaking out about it. I Mm -hmm. think what it does is, no, we are not going to get a repeat of of early 2020. There's not going to be mandated lockdowns. There's not going to be um, mask wearing everywhere. There's not going to be social distancing, stimulus checks, and none of that's going to happen again. What is going to happen (laughs) is we've seen over the past six to 12 months this unleashing of pent up demand to go do things in the physical world, whether mm-hmm. that be shopping in stores, whether that be um, going on vacations, trips, traveling, that stuff. I think that pent up unleashing now reverses course. I think it was going to actually totally. reverse course anyways, because when you unleash pent up demand, you always get a normalization period. You can't sustain that level of demand forever. So people come back right. to a nor- more normal, sustainable level. But I think the reversal of the trend now gets accelerated because of monkeypox and mm-hmm. because of, for some people, because of the COVID-19 resurgence as well, you know, there's a new variant that's spreading pretty quickly. So um, I think that it, it impacts consumer behavior on the margin. As opposed to going to the store, you're going to think about shopping online more. Okay. As opposed to maybe going on a big vacation, uh, maybe you're going to not take that big vacation. Maybe you're going to spend a little bit more time at home. Maybe you're going to spend a little bit more time streaming stuff, a little bit more time on um, on social media apps and smaller group hangouts. I think it does impact, not for everybody. But mm-hmm. for a sizable portion of the population, I think it will impact consumer behavior on the margin, especially as we get into winter or colder months. Um, and as a result of that, the investment implication here is a lot of those pandemic stocks have been crushed. Mm-hmm. E-commerce players, yeah. Shopify, the digital advertisers, mm-hmm. Snap, the streaming players, Roku. But if indeed we do get this consumer behavior on the at the margin change- because of, of mm-hmm. monkeypox, then I think that that could be all that is necessary to get those stocks working again. And so I see mm-hmm. a pretty big opportunity over the next six to 12 months in those beaten up pandemic winners. I think they have a lot of tailwinds going for them. I think you have the fact that, the, that yields, which were surging, are now crashing. That inflation mm-hmm. has peaked and is now coming down, that the Fed is now – or the market is now looking at the Fed to do rate cuts. A lot of the, the headwinds that killed these, these stocks are now turning into tailwinds. Now you're throwing the, probably the biggest tailwind of them all, which is that consumers may do a little bit more online shopping over the next six months. Again, I'm not talking about mm-hmm. this full reversion to you know, early 2020 where all we did was shop online. But what I'm saying is that, <laughs> hey, if you're going to the mall three times a month, maybe now yeah. it's two times a month and then one online shopping trip. Like Mm -hmm. I think that the mix now becomes more e-commerce as a result of what's going on in in the public health uh, domain these days. Mm -hmm. That creates a situation for digital ad stocks, e-commerce stocks to do really well over the next six months because they're so beaten up. They're so depressed. Rubber band has been stretched so far. I think it's due for a snapback and that snapback could be accelerated by – the public health situation. So yeah, that's how I view monkeypox. I don't view it as an economy derailer, as as a uh a reason to shut down things at all. I mean, uh, we don't need to do that at all. Uh but what it is is something that could impact consumer behavior on the margin. And that impact is not priced into certain pandemic type stocks. Hmm. And I think those stocks look pretty attractive here. For right. not exclusively for that reason, but partially for that reason.
1: Hmm. All right. Uh interesting. Uh, we'll definitely be keeping track of that. Want to shift gears now to our market check-in. Uh, jobs report. Uh, we have the July jobs report this Friday. Uh, what do you see happening with that print? Good numbers, bad numbers. How are the stocks going to react? Yeah, it's, it's – it's I think it's going to be ugly, Aaron. I think the labor market's falling apart. I, uh, so this is, I this is that really one good. step back that you're talking about. It, well, it's actually going to be two steps forward. <laughs> really. Okay. Uh, right. Because <laughs> –
0: Bad news is good news for stocks right now. Uh, The more the labor market falls apart, well, Mm -hmm. we have to balance it, right? Like we can't have a labor market collapse. But if the labor market slows, comes down a little bit, that's going to help decrease economic demand, which is going to help kill inflation. The ultimate goal here, remember, Aaron, is we have to kill inflation. Markets mm-hmm. can deal with recessions. they happen once every five to ten years. They can deal with them. they take it on the chin and they bounce back that 's fine what markets can't they can deal with you know unemployment rates going up that happens once every five to ten years that's fine. They take it on the chin they bounce back. What markets can't deal with is stubborn inflation. stubborn mm-hmm. inflation is the enemy of stocks going higher. The 1970s was a lost decade for stocks, a lost decade for economic productivity because of stubborn inflation. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do is just kill inflation. Kill inflation and things are going to be okay. Take it outside, shoot it in the head, and move on. Labor market slowdown will help do that. If less, So I just read the survey from um, – Oh, was it Money Polls? I forget the name. It was posted on CNBC. 62% Mm -hmm. of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 62% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. That's partially because of inflation. We're spending so much money Mm -hmm. on our core goods and all that stuff. We're not having much left over to save. But 62% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, meaning. That you don't need mass labor market weakness to slow economic demand. You just need a little bit of labor market weakness. You need mm-hmm. a couple people to get to be laid off, and then the rest of the uh, the employee base to be like, um, "That could have been me." That causes them to slow their spending. That causes mm-hmm. them to slow their demand. If that happens, all of a sudden, inflation is a supply demand problem. Demand comes mm-hmm. down, inflation comes down with it. So yeah. I actually think that, yes, I do believe the labor market is going to fall out. When I look at in, uh, the companies in the U.S. economy, look at what they're reporting, mm-hmm. see the layoffs that are coming down the pipeline in startups, in tech, in finance, across the board, mm-hmm. see the jobless claims numbers, I, I, the labor market is going to not fall apart but slow in a very meaningful way. Mm -hmm. I think unemployment can go up 100 basis Mm -hmm. points, maybe 200 basis points. I think the labor market is about to fall. With 62% Mm -hmm. of Americans living paycheck to paycheck, that labor market falling is going to be exactly what the economy needs to kill inflation. And This is partially why I'm so confident inflation does get killed and why it's going to be a positive for stocks. Now, we could overshoot. Mm -hmm. Let's say unemployment all of a sudden starts going up 300, 400, 500 basis points. If we overshoot and unemployment starts to get to 10%, 8%, 9%, 10%, we got bigger problems on our hand. But okay. so okay. we, we kind of have to get this, this Goldilocks slowdown. And I think we're, <laughs> I think, I think we're going to get it. I think we're going to get it. I, I think that um, corporations, when you look at earnings season, it looks like things are slowing consistent with some layoffs, but they're not falling apart consistent with mass layoffs. So I think that's what's happening in a lot of companies across America right now. And as a result, labor market is due for a minor correction, not a collapse. Minor correction combined with 62% paycheck to paycheck is the Goldilocks slowdown. You need an economic demand to kill inflation. That is why stocks have been rallying. That is why I think they will continue to rally for the next 12 months. Again, non-linear: two steps forward, one step back. Can't stress that mm-hmm. enough. But
1: yeah. the 12-month outlook is pr- pretty constructive. Okay. So jobs numbers comes in. Not good. Inflation gets cut. Stocks go up over the next six to 12 months. The bear market's over. How are you playing this new bull market? What are your favorite sectors moving forward?
0: Yeah, so We kind of touched on that earlier in the call, right? We talked about clean tech. We talked about cloud. Love those spaces. You know, I think the e-commerce and digital ad and streaming spaces are due for a nice little bounce back here. We got to get through earnings season. I wouldn't be jumping in and buying dips right now. Get through earnings season, Mm -hmm. let all the shoes drop and then come in and buy the post earnings dips across the board. I think that that's a good strategy. So I, I like what I'm seeing there. Um, but I would have to say like, yeah, my favorite is, is clean tech right now. I think clean tech has massive tailwinds. I think solar adoption is going to hit record levels and absolutely accelerate in very meaningful ways over the next 12 months. I think electric vehicles, great space to be in. We talked about that earlier EV consolidation, love the small cap EV stocks, high quality small cap EV stocks. Think they're great acquisition targets in this consolidation period. So really like what I'm seeing there and a final sector I'm pretty bullish on, uh, is automation. I think that automation companies okay. are yep. are very compelling. Um, we we've, we've seen Symbotic come public they're Walmart's automator. that That's a very, very strong company. We dropped the name here last week. Love that company mm-hmm. for, for the long term. Um, a smaller company named Berkshire Gray, they just expanded their partnership with FedEx. Uh, so you're, you're seeing all these big logistics companies start to really invest in and accelerate their adoption of automation technologies. Private company Miso is doing fabulous things and they're they're being adopted across all of restaurant, um, the whole restaurant industry. They make the burger flipping robot and the the chip making <laughs> robot and the the drink distributing robot you know they got they got a series of robots to do all sorts of restaurant tasks i think it's a fabulous company they're very smart people over there um so i think that automation is a very investable theme for 2023 4 5 mm-hmm. um because you know how i feel about this whole this, this deglobalization narrative right a lot of people are about mm-hmm. We're going to deglobalize because we need more secure supply chains. Sure, I get that, but do not neglect the other side of that. We also need mm-hmm. cheap supply chains. Okay, we're not going to yep. go from $2 yep. labor to $20 labor. And anybody who thinks we are is completely mm-hmm. batshit crazy. Okay, we're not yep. going to do that. We mm-hmm. need cheap ways to deglobalize, we mm-hmm. need cheap ways to localize supply chains. We're going to get that. We're going to get mm-hmm. that. That's automation. How do you take a factory in China, put it in America, make it just as productive and have the same operating costs? The only way to do that is through automation. You take the labor Mm -hmm. over there and you automate it out. That's the only way to cost effectively localize supply chains to de-globalize. So I think automation is a really investable theme for the next three, four, five years. I think I'm really excited about that. so yeah, the, the, those are ways that I'm that I'm playing this this new bull market. Um, sticking mm-hmm. with the secular growth themes, finding my favorite industries in the secular growth space, and saying, "All right, let's go rock and roll time." I think we're going to see some massive gains over the next 12 months. Massive.
1: Are there any sectors that we should be avoiding?
0: Yeah, I uh, I definitely think there are some sectors to be avoiding. I mean, we've <laughs> we talked about our short oil call before, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I think oil, oil is oil has been collapsing. Um, mm-hmm. Where is it now? Should we check? I would let's check in on our oil. Our oil check in. Our oil check in. Looking at my uh, our top ten portfolio for for the innovation investor service up five point eight percent today. So that's <laughs> that's nice to see. That's good to hear. Yeah. So let's check oil though. Oil were what? 95 bucks a barrel pretty much. So okay. yeah, I mean, we've been we've been kind of range bound in those 90s. Every time we try to push up to 100, we hit resistance and we come back down. Uh, you look at the chart, looks like it's forming a nice head and nice, a bearish head and shoulders pattern. Nice for the shorts. Um, head and shoulders <clears throat> pattern. I, I think we can see a pretty big breakdown in oil, um, pretty big breakdown in, in, in gas prices. Um, I think it's going to hurt oil stocks. Uh, I think you want to avoid cyclicals right now. I think the economy is going to weaken. We talk about labor market dropping out. Consumer discretionary is a mm-hmm. concern for me. I think consumer staple spending is going to continue to grow. Consumer discretionary budgets are going get, to get cut. I do not think we should be in discretionary. And I would avoid travel. I think travel is not good right now. Um, okay. People spend a lot of money traveling this summer. Now they're hearing the recession word. Now their friends are getting laid off or they're getting laid off. Now mm-hmm. or they're living paycheck to paycheck because of inflation. So I yeah. don't think that's a backdrop against which everyone's like, let's go to the Bahamas this October, honey. I don't, I don't think yeah. that happens. I, I think travel gets gets destroyed in the second half of the year. Um, and um, those guys are still dealing with high fuel costs. So I think that their profits are probably going to get pretty, pretty nasty um, in Q3 and Q4. So I, I would stay away from travel. Um, let me think of other sectors I don't like right now. I try to focus on what I do like because I like to be an optimistic yeah, guy, yeah. but there, there are definitely pockets of, of um, the market that I would stay away from. Let me look over my heat screen. Industrials, I would stay away from industrials. I think that that was an overplayed hand. Uh, financial is probably pretty bad, you know, with the yield curve inverting to where it is. We're like minus 30 mm-hmm. bips on the 10 to inversion. That's a deep inversion. And it's because tens are going lower. Tens could fall out. Tens could go down, you know, another 50 bips. Mm-hmm. So if that happens, 10 to inversion could get really, 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 really deep, maybe 50, 100 bips there. If you get that financials, bad situation, bad situation. So I'd mm-hmm. stay away from financials. Um I like real estate. I like, I like housing. I, we know
1: you like real estate. I think yep, that, we know that that it, is, we that know that you know is super
0: like undervalued. Basically, I mean, here's the thing, Aaron. We're, we're in this bear market to bull market transition. We're late stage bear yeah. to early stage bull. So I think that, that, that's a dramatic shift. That's a 180 basically. So everything mm-hmm. that has not worked is going to work. And everything that has worked is not going to work. This is the time to, to ditch, yeah. ditch the momentum trade. Buy Amazing. what has been beaten up and wait for it to bounce back. Ditch what has worked and buy it when it crashes. That's mm-hmm. how we're we're like at a, you know everything cycles and we're at like the top yep. of the cycle for some things and the bottom of the cycle for other things. So sell mm-hmm. what's a top cycle and buy what's at bottom cycle. That's the way to look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, oil, energy. That, that's had a great run. And to the top of the yep. cycle, it's already crested, in my opinion. So you want to get out mm-hmm. of those trades. You look at the secular sure. growth stocks; they've really been crushed. They're at the bottom mm-hmm. of the cycle. They're ready to rebound. So this is a dramatic pivot we're doing in the market. So buy what has not been working, and sell what has been working. That's a great rule of thumb uh, for the next twelve months, in my opinion.
1: Hmm. All right. uh, Moving on to our crypto check-in. It's been pretty much the same thing for the last few weeks. So I'm just going to go out and say it. Anything new here or are we just uh, business as usual? Well, I mean, hey,
0: Aaron. I mean, let's, you know, call on a spade a spade. I mean, we, you know, we were pretty, we've been pretty good with that call of consolidate around twenty. You know, that's yep. that's just what it's doing. And it looks like it wanted to break out. No, it, it's it's probably not going to break out. I mean, it might, but I don't think it will. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stay pretty range-bound in the 20s. Maybe we creep up and then the new range becomes 21 to 23, or 22 to 24, or 23 to 25. Like, totally mm-hmm. possible. But – you know yep. we're going to stay range bound in in these lower twenties for a while. Could we break down to seventeen again? Absolutely. On a step back in equities, we could absolutely break down to twenty or to seventeen again. But I think we stay range bound in this you know upper teens, lower twenties range. We're going to stay there until there is resolution on the Fed. Until we finally see the Fed mm-hmm. capitulate, maybe stop hiking rates, maybe start rate cutting. Mm-hmm. Inflation does come down, economy does go to you know a gets worse than what it is today in that scenario that's when crypto start booming that's when bitcoin retakes 30 40 50 60 that happens in 23 in my opinion so what you want to do here is just continue to stay patient that's been the name of the game the past few months that's the name of the game today stay patient and there's no need to go out and buy individual cryptos right now because a lot's going to change in the crypto world between now and the end of the year, between now and the next boom cycle. So don't go and mm-hmm. get too aggressive on any individual crypto right now because something's probably going to change for that crypto between August 2022 and January 2023. Chill. Mm-hmm. Relax. Wait, deploy capital into Bitcoin, <laughs> deploy capital into Ethereum, deploy capital into a couple other, you know, mm-hmm. favorites outside of that. Chill. Wait. Wait, mm-hmm. wait, wait. Eventually, the boom cycle is going to get going <laughs> eventually. again. That and that—that uh, I, 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 that eventually for me is like four or five months out. So it's not that far away. Mm-hmm. We don't have to wait that long, people. Sure. But when you start seeing that, when you start seeing Bitcoin go whoop, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, here we come. Off to the races. Once you start seeing that, that's when you want to start deploying capital into those more – the higher upside alts. And we're we're ready to do that. We we got our list ready. We're constantly monitoring mm-hmm. the market. As soon as we start seeing that positive price action turn around, boom. We're there. We're ready to take advantage of it. We think twenty three is gonna be a great year for cryptos.
1: But don't get too greedy right now. Let's let's again wait, 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 wait. So what's your prediction for Bitcoin price by the end of the year? End of this year, mm-hmm. somewhere between 17 and 25.
0: Okay. Somewhere in that range. And if, I, if you want to if you put a gun in my head and say pick a number, uh, 23.5. All
1: right, 23.5 by the end of this year. Maybe. Random guess. <laughs> Random guess. Random guess. All right, well, that kind of wraps up our topics. We do have a few fan questions this week. Uh, Valentin Vanta, Luke, can you please give us an update on Fubo TV stock? Thank you.
0: Uh, first off, Valentin Vonta love the alliteration. Luke Lango, double L, double V, love it. <laughs> Alliterations great. Alliterations a fantastic thing for names. Um, mm-hmm. Fubo, uh, I think we've talked about it before. You know We've kind of thrown in the towel on that one. Uh, there was a lot of hope that they could build this integrated sports streaming and sports betting ecosystem that would revolutionize the way People like you and me, Aaron, watch sports, interact with sports. Mm-hmm. We'd sit down on our couch and we'd have four games going on. And then right here next to it, we'd have a little interactive betting screen. We could place bets on if LeBron makes the free throw or, you know, if Tom Brady throws the touchdown, it gets the first down here, or whatever it may be, you know, Lamar Jackson runs for the first, whatever it is, you know, that is a cool future. Fubo was supposed mm-hmm. to build that. They haven't. And I've okay. been very disappointed in the execution of building that. Um, mm-hmm. Not seeing the traction I want to see. Uh, they're spending a lot of money to compete against YouTube TV and Sling and the others. So, And the, the balance sheet is not not strong. They needed to execute flawlessly because they did not have a very strong balance sheet to start. Um, mm-hmm. And they did not done that. Because they haven't done that. Um, you know, the, the bears were right. This was a a stock that probably is not going to go anywhere. And, um, Mm -hmm. we realized that. So we've, when you're wrong, you're wrong. And we were wrong on FUBO. Mm -hmm. I had high hopes for what they Mm -hmm. could be. Didn't, didn't pan out. And now I I think that it's a stock that will forever bumble around. I don't think the service is going to ever go anywhere. It's probably going to forever remain Mm -hmm. what it is, but you know what it is 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 not worthy of a 20 30 40 50 60 seventy dollar stock price so mm. from that perspective, um, we're not that excited about Fubo TV right now. There is a chance mm. they turn everything around, but given sure. the market is doing what the market's doing, rebounding, and we mm. see huge opportunities elsewhere, the opportunity cost to invest in Fubo right now is just is it's too high. So we're going to focus Mm -hmm. elsewhere, let Fubo do its thing. Maybe they start executing. Maybe it starts working. Maybe they do build what I think could be the coolest sports viewing experience of all time. If they do that, Mm -hmm. all right, let's get back in. Let's say it goes from three to six. That's fine. I can wait because if they do build that, that could be a $100 stock easily. Mm-hmm. but there's a lot of risk, execution risk there. So let's go find better opportunities elsewhere. Let's not take that opportunity cost. Let's wait for them to kind of prove themselves, prove it to me. If they prove it, let's get back into it. But for now, let's just kind of keep it on the sidelines. That's that's a Fubo TV outlook.
1: So one of the concepts that we've talked about, especially in crypto, is that a lot of these projects, they have a good idea, they fail in an execution, and then somebody else comes along and manages to execute that same idea much better, much more efficiently. Are you seeing anybody that's in that space right now that could execute the way that you want to see – that you wanted to see Fubo execute? Um, You, you know who's probably going to end up doing it is just just
0: Alphabet with YouTube TV. Mm-hmm. I just uh, – they haven't built a okay. sports-focused one, but you know, full disclosure, we were Fubo TV customers and YouTube TV customers. And right around the time that we threw in the towel on Fubo stock as a buy – was when we canceled Fubo TV because (laughs) YouTube TV, it's just superior watching experience in my opinion. Um, Sure. Yeah. And uh, I don't need, I personally don't need all the sports of Fubo. They have a lot of European soccer out there. I'm not that guy. I like Mm -hmm. my, you know, my NBA game on a Thursday night and and that's good once a week. So I'm not the core demographic. (laughs) I get that. But um, if anybody's going to build it, it's going to be YouTube TV because look at the balance sheet of Fubo. Look at the balance sheet of alphabet. Balance sheets Mm -hmm. matter. Cash power matters. Ammunition matters. So uh, if anyone's going to actually do it, it, could, it will probably be Alphabet, which isn't very exciting because for them it's not really moving the needle. And a company that's that large, a trillion-dollar company. But, um, you know, Fubo TV could still do it. They still could do it. They have a very talented team. Okay. Their team is still very talented. Sure. There's no doubt about that. And I, they got some mm-hmm. Spotify people there. I love Spotify. Um, and I think that that company could still do it. It's just the reason – I'm less enthused is because they haven't done it yet, and then two, it's a massive opportunity cost. When I'm seeing other stocks moving dramatically higher because their businesses mm-hmm. are on fire. Um, I'm going to go focus on those right now.
1: All right. Uh, next question from DS 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 DS. Uh, How do you feel about the the company's small pharma's potential? They want to use DMT to cure issues like depression, but are not as far along as Compass Pathways. Again, we talked about Compass last week. DS. 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 DS to
0: uh, to the 4th. DS to the 4th. I don't know if I would consider that alliteration. First name DS, middle name DS... DS, Last name. Well, it's all one name. The way <laughs> no, but yeah, it I'm, shows I'm, up I'm I'm try trying out. to make alliteration. here. I'm going to make it work. Anyways, um, <laughs> what was the question? Yeah, no, uh, some small cap, <laughs> some small cap psychedelic uh, companies yeah, doing DMG. Small farmers. Yeah. yeah um, you know, with psychedelics, I I think it's pretty clear what you have to do. Ed on Compass Pathways. Full stop. Okay. Really? No, gotcha. I did. It, it, it's a very experimental industry. And in a market where risk taking was greatly appreciated and rewarded, uh, it was time to take a lot of bets on on small psychedelic stocks, not named Compass Pathways. Now that we're not in that market, mm-hmm. we're in a different market. Uh, it's time to concentrate all bets on Compass Pathways and stocks related to Compass Pathways. So there are stocks that, that have mm-hmm. you know equity interest in, in Compass Pathways and whatnot. Those are also great bets, but you want to concentrate all bets on psychedelics on compass pathways See, okay you know just that's where you want to be gotcha uh, not the time to start thinking about all these other ones um once the market comes back if compass pathways proves itself then we can start thinking about mm-hmm. it right now concentrate all bets on compass that's how i view psychedelics
1: okay uh last question uh unfortunately luke no alliteration on this one steve cook <laughs> still a good name. asks any still insight Solid name. Uh, any insight on timing with ILICA moving from OTC to the New York Stock Exchange? Uh, yeah. So, um, no, I, I don't really have any special insight on the
0: timing of that. Um, it should happen, but I don't think it's it's a huge needle mover um, for the stock from a long-term uh, investment perspective. I mean, the story there, folks, is that you had a stock that was – or a company that was developing solid-state batteries and was – pretty interesting but uh the solid state battery research is very difficult and some other companies have done it better than them and so those companies are really commercializing it in the auto space or rather pioneering the research in the auto space and illica has pivoted to more consumer electronics so that's dramatically reduced the tam that's dramatically reduced the long-term potential still still an interesting prospect in solid state batteries but definitely Mm -hmm. not what it what it once could have been had they remain on the cutting edge of auto solid state battery uh, research and development.
1: Gotcha. Uh, well, that kind of wraps us up and great insights as always for our listeners and HCI investors, Luke, any last words before we wrap? Um, Pelosi's
0: in Taiwan, right? What's that all about? You know? <laughs> yeah. Do you know? Yeah. I, I
1: don't know. Do you know? No, I I mean, I, I know that she's going. That it's The trip is planned. She just that's landed. It.
0: She just landed. She landed this morning. Mm. Weird, right? I don't know what's going on there. We'll talk about that next week. Hopefully, we'll have some more information. We didn't talk about it. Right, sure. I, don't, I, I, don't I guess we'll have some to- something covered next week. I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on there. And then there's some ships that are off course in <laughs> China that are carrying maybe some, some tanks and stuff. I don't know. I'm not going to spread hearsay. I'm just reading Twitter threads, man. I am. I'm not plugged sure. into that, that, that loop, but I do think these, you know, there, there are some risks in the market that we have to be monitoring right now that could cut short the, the rebound rally. I don't think they will materialize mm-hmm. anything. I don't think monkeypox becomes that big again, consumer behavior at the margin impacted. That's about it. Uh, I don't think this, this Pelosi landing mm-hmm. in Taiwan thing is all that interesting nor will it lead to anything impactful. Um, but mm-hmm. these are things we we have to monitor. Uh, we have to keep a close eye on them. And something else sure. we have to monitor: the thawing of tensions between Ukraine and Russia. Um, mm-hmm. we're getting into fall and winter. I read that uh, Ukraine just shipped out its first wheat. Right. Yeah. But, but then there's like all these bombs that you got to navigate around. It's like a missile field you got to go through to get the wheat out of this out of there. I don't even know. Man. Gotcha. Like there is thawing going on, but is it real thawing or faux thawing? I don't know. We got to figure that mm-hmm. out. So these are things we got to monitor. You know, we're not sure. out of the woods. The, the, the outlook is very promising, very constructive on it. Yeah. But one of the reasons I am constructive on it is because we have so many risks out there actually. You know, a very healthy market mm-hmm. is one that is going higher, but is held back from shooting higher because there are so many risks. Slow and steady wins the mm-hmm. race um i think we're on a slow and steady Mm -hmm. comeback that means we have risks to monitor let's keep monitoring those risks to make sure we don't walk into a bear trap or a bull trap sorry
1: gotcha well thank you everyone for listening please if you have any questions or comments for luke leave them in our comment section we love to hear the feedback on any topics you'd like us to cover and see if we can answer any of your burning questions until then please don't forget to like and subscribe and we will see you all next week bye all